Hi everyone, I'm Tara Lon. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. I'm here today with Brooke Navarro, founder and CEO of Without a Trace, a manufacturer and distributor of allergen-friendly, gluten-free snacks. Prior to Without a Trace, Brooke worked on Wall Street for over 10 years. Today, she's going to talk about what prompted her to leave Wall Street to pursue her passion. Hi, Brooke. Welcome. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit more about yourself, how you grew up and just, you know, more info. Sure. So I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, I grew up with food allergies. My mom and me, that was always part of our life, uh, something I've experienced and um, pretty simple upbringing. Uh, my my parents were uh, both blue collar jobs, and we spent a lot of time just hanging around the the yard with our our dogs. And my dad was very involved with auto racing, so I spent a lot of my childhood <laughs> at racetracks. Um, and before and then after that, I moved out east to go to college in Washington D.C. and started moving all around. And this is actually my third career prior to Wall. Street, I worked in television. So um, still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> well, yes. what, what type of food allergies did you suffer from? So I'm allergic to tree nuts, one of the, what we call big nine. My mom is allergic to tree nuts, peanuts, and legumes. So mm. growing up, we never had nuts around the house for sure. And then when my daughter was born, she also has food allergies and she has peanuts and eggs. So I always say we're a really fun family to go out to eat with. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're talking about your career and you being on wall street. I know you were also in broadcasting, right? Yes. Prior to wall street and just what made you leave those things behind and pursue your career? Because I know there's a lot of moms now that may be working jobs or even have careers, but they have other passions that they want to pursue. So I really want to delve into what prompted you to make your career shift. So let's go back to your childhood though. What did you always think you wanted to be when you grew up? It varied a little bit, but definitely there was a lot of astronauts. I watched the movie Space Camp, I don't know how many times. Uh, Fighter Pilot, I also watched a lot of Top Gun. Um, I also get the Nintendo Top Gun game. We used to rent that at Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Huge fan of of both of those. Um, And then, you know, as I got older, I kind of realized um, science wasn't really my jam. So astronaut probably wasn't a good one. Um, And started looking to thinking maybe I'd be a lawyer. Um, And then I fell in love with news at a very early age. My parents very much like to watch the news. I, I have very distinct memories of being probably seven or eight sitting and watching the local news. Like I look forward to that every night. Um, we actually got cable television during the first Gulf War because my parents wanted to be able to watch coverage on CNN. And I watch news all the time. I love news. And to this day, I love news. I love watching it, um, reading it, learning about the world. And that got me thinking I probably want to go into maybe political communications or journalism, something along those lines. Okay. So what did you major in when you went to college? Journalism. So oh, okay. I did wind up doing journalism, which is an excellent degree, even if you don't want to be a journalist. Yes. How to write really well um, and be very thoughtful and to the point is an excellent skill. Yes. So I highly yes. recommend 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So after college, after you graduated, where did you go from there? I did the local news route. So my first job was in Northern Minnesota. And then I went from there to another small town and it's kind of how you, you grow up in local news, right? You get where the jobs are. But by the time I was in my mid to late twenties, I realized as much as I loved news, I didn't love being in news, the business of news. Um, I saw it becoming you know, more about entertainment in a lot of ways than about actual news. And I also hated not being able to pick where I was going to live. Right. Uh, <laughs> very little control. Um, and, you know, so I thought about going back to school. I thought about getting a master's degree in German language and literature. That was the other thing I studied in undergrad. And then I realized, what am I going to do? I'm probably going to try to get a professor job and again, not be able to pick where I'm going to live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did what a lot of people do is I hit the reset button and I went to business school. Oh, wow. So you got a business degree. I did. I got my MBA. Okay. And then after you got your, now, did you have kids at this point? I did not. No, okay. I, I was in my late twenties and didn't know really what I wanted to do, but I figured an MBA is a really good degree. I can yes. do something with it. Um, and I really wanted to pick where I was going to live. Um, and I really wanted to get to New York. So I was able to finally make my way to New York when I got into school there. Okay. Awesome. So what happened after you graduated with your MBA? Where did your career take you? So I fell in love with corporate finance very early on in business school, right? It's one of the first classes you have to take. I had never been exposed to it, but I thought it was fascinating. You could take all this information, kind of like journalism, put it all together and figure out what a company is worth or you know what a company should do strategically. I thought that was fascinating. So I turned to my classmates and I said, well, what could I do with that? And they said, you could be an investment banker. And I said, what do they do? And nobody believes me when I say that, but um, you have to remember, right? I grew up in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I'm the first person in my family to go to college. Um, I had no idea what an investment banker was. And um, luckily, you know, if you're in an MBA program to be able to recruit for an investment banking job, it's there's a very well-worn path that you walk down. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I did that. I actually got a job at Lehman Brothers right before the collapse. Um, but luckily Barclays then, um, you know, kept almost everybody on from Lehman Brothers. And I built my career there in investment banking. Okay. And then you were there for how long? I was there for a decade. Okay. Uh, Yes. So from, Hey, corporate finance is really interesting. What can I do with this to a decade later? Wow. I can't believe I'm still here. Yeah. Now, were you enjoying it when you were there? Like what, when, while you were there, like, were you, was that your passion or like, were you thinking I want to do something else? I really liked finance, right? I, it goes back to, I think I really like business. Mm -hmm. um, I think what has always driven a career change for me is things change in your life, right? When I was in journalism, I, while I enjoyed it, I wanted that control over where was I going to live and I didn't want to spend the rest of my life jumping around. Um, you know, then after a while I was on a plane all the time. Um, and you know, it was a very challenging lifestyle for our family. I wasn't around a lot. Um, and I decided I wanted to do something where I could see my kids more often. Yeah. Now, how old were your kids like during this period when you were on Wall Street? 
Um, so I had both my kids while I was working in banking. And um, when I left, the oldest would have been almost three and the youngest um, was less than a year. Oh, so they were very young and you were traveling and everything during this period. Yes. And I love to travel. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Um, it was very hard on our family for me to be gone three, four, five days a week, um, on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Now, while you were um, working in this finance job, like, were you thinking, oh, I have other gifts. I have other skills that I want to use. Like what was going through your mind just when you were there, as far as like these other passions that you had brewing? I really missed the public speaking aspect of journalism and television. I mean, the, one piece I didn't mention of how I got into broadcast journalism as opposed to print or another form of journalism is I went to a high school for the performing arts and I did competitive public speaking. And it's something I've always wow. really enjoyed. Um, and while I would you know, do use some of those same skills, it wasn't something I got to use on a regular basis. So I, I did miss that. Um, and I also, you know, was like, how can I do something that, um, gives me a broader view of how companies operate, right? I often came at it from the the finance and, and the capital structure standpoint, but how else could I, I think about the world and, you know, look for a, a broader point of view? Mm -hmm. Now, how far into your Wall Street career were you thinking that maybe you're going to take another career shift? It, the funny thing is I knew I always wanted to have my own company. My dad is an entrepreneur and my, my mom answered the phone and did the books. I mean, essentially it was the two of them my whole life. Um, and I just never knew what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know when it was going to happen. It just was something at some point I figured I will do that when the time seems right. And I have an idea that I want to do. <laughs> yeah. So when you were working still in finance, so when did you come up with the idea for the company that you have today, like to help with allergy sufferers? So I, when I was in business school, I had thought about doing this and everybody's like, don't do food. Food's really hard. I had a lot of student loans. I liked living in New York, but I couldn't pay the rent if I didn't have a job. And so I just kind of shelved the idea, but it was always there. It was always percolating because I spent my whole life incredibly frustrated with the amount of things I couldn't eat, not necessarily because they contained what I was allergic to that. It's, I think with a food allergy, you get kind of used to that. There's just certain things you can't eat, but it was the may contain traces of label on foods that I'm sure everybody's seen. That's really frustrating because you're like, well, I'm not technically allergic to it, but I could be allergic to it. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, okay, well now I can't eat that. And suddenly that becomes really frustrating because you you see something like, oh, I should be able to eat that. No, I can't. Um, so that was always, always there. And I started kind of about two years before I left Wall Street, started kind of dabbling. I hired a professional chef, started, you know, handing things out to friends and family and just seeing, is this something that could be a viable company? Oh, that like what were you making? Like snacks? What were you making at that point? To clarify, I was not making because you don't want <laughs> to be doing like, you're really talented. No, <laughs> you have so many no, talents. No, no. You can ask my husband and my kid. <laughs> um, I make really good soup, and that's about it because you can kind of just throw everything in and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
And uh, the thing I really wanted to start with was a uh, granola bar, because uh, anybody who has a, a nut allergy knows that the vast majority of granola bars, if they don't have nuts in them, which many do, will say manufactured on equipment that processes nuts, right? Because the same equipment that's making the ones with the nuts is making the ones without the nuts. Mm-hmm. And I wanted something that was a snack that you could eat on the go that had some substance to it. And so I started with granola bars, but then I turned to my chef and I said, I don't know, what else do you think? And she tried all sorts of things. We tried muffins, we tried cookies, we tried um, all these little like rice crispy thing. Oh, we had this amazing like rice crispy treat thing. We've just never been able to replicate it on a large scale. Um, you know, all sorts of different desserts and kind of fun snacks that are really hard to get mm-hmm. uh, if you have a food allergy. Right. Right. So you, you basically hired a chef to make these snacks and just test it out and see if it was going to work. And that was while you were still working your full-time job on wall street. Exactly. She, I just gave her the parameters. Don't use these, you know, 15 things and make it taste really good. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was fun. And she would, um, she would make them and, and uh, she, she's amazing. Anna Helm Baxter, right? she's an amazing website, amazing blog. She was um, the former deputy food editor at Hearst Magazine. So she makes this beautiful covers that you see in the supermarket checkout lane with the, you know, the pastries and the dishes that look so amazing. Wow. That's, that's her job, her day wow. job. Um, and so she only knows how to make things that taste really good. Yeah. So did you know her personally? Like, how did you connect with her? To I, start I, did. Making these? I did. I okay. did. Um, I went to school with her husband. I'd met her once or twice. I'd been to her dinner parties at her house and they were amazing. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't know her well at all. In fact, I called up her husband who I was friends with and said, you know, does she know anybody who might want to help me? And he's like, I think she may help you. Um, so that's how we got to know each other better. Um, and I think she thought it was fun because she'd never done something like it before and just yeah. experimenting and she would send things with actually her husband, his office was near my house um, in Brooklyn. So she would send it with him and I'd pick it up from him and take it home and, you know, send her notes and we'd get on the phone and, you know, go back and forth and I'd go drop it off at friends' houses. And we just iterated for about eight months. Oh, wow. So tell us what that looks like. You're working a full-time job. You have two little kids. Now you're starting a business on the side. Like what type of hours were you spending with your job versus your passion with your kids? Like, what did that look like during that time? I'm imagining it was challenging but you made it work somehow. It was about 90% my job and 5%, okay, maybe 85% my job, 10% my kids and my family, about 5% this, right? I mean, there's a reason it took us eight months to get through uh, the the initial stuff, right? I just, I wasn't going to just walk away from my job and I wasn't in a rush necessarily. Mm -hmm. I just was curious, could I make something that tasted good? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, it was very much, maybe we chat every other week, 
and I, you know, I'd forget to pick them up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, can I get the samples tomorrow? Um, you know, one time I remember driving out on a Sunday afternoon all the way out to New Jersey where she lived to go pick them up and you just kind of squeezing things in. Um, it was like a slow drip of, okay, now we did that. Now we did that. Okay, well, what's next? Um, and just a few hours a week here and there. Um, over many, many months. Yeah. Did you have like a timeline of when you thought you might transition out of your corporate or Wall Street job and transition into the company? Or what did that look like? No, I wasn't even sure I was going to start a company. Honestly, it was one, is this even a viable product? Like, is can I make something that tastes really good? That was always core to what I wanted to do. I didn't want it to taste like a free from food. Um, so I didn't even know if it was possible. I figured it was, but I, I didn't know. Um, it was only after we got through all the recipes with Anna. And then I was like, okay, well, what do I do next? And luckily I knew some other folks who had food industry backgrounds and they're like, well, you got to commercialize it. You got to figure out, can you make it shelf stable? Um, and then I spent some time looking for a food scientist to help me do that. And it was just this like, slow and slow and slow. There was no definitive timeline or anything. Just at one point I was like, well, this is either a really expensive hobby or (laughs) maybe I try to make it into a business. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it took almost more than two years before we, you know, I actually decided, okay, we're going to make an actual business out of this. Yeah. Like what was the pivotal moment when you realized, okay, we got something here. We're going to, this could actually be a viable business. Like what, what did that look like? I think it was a confluence of things that happened in my life where I, I got to the point where I realized it was, it was definitely a, a viable business and could be done, but I wasn't ready to jump into it. Um, but then some things happened on the personal front and we felt that it was potentially, um, a time for us to leave New York. Um, and we started kind of thinking about what would that look like? How would we do that? And then we thought, well, if we're going to leave New York, then I can actually step back and do this. Um, and so as that timeline kind of came together, um, this, starting the business started to fit into everything else in life. It, this wasn't the driver. Um, you know, so I always tell people like, it doesn't have to be the driving factor. It can, you can figure out how to fit it into the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. No, that's important that you're saying that. Would you, do you have any uh, words of advice or wisdom for maybe moms who are maybe in a job, but they have a passion on the side that they want to pursue and just kind of how to make it work while they're still in their job. I mean, I always say, Cause I was in that boat as well. Like do your job with excellence while you're pursuing this other thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you have any, any words like that or anything that you think might be helpful? I think the, the biggest thing that was really helpful for me was the, the baby steps, the idea of, okay, I didn't, I didn't sit down one day and say, how do I get to, you know, what you see back here? Um, <laughs> it was simply, can I find a chef? 
I mean, that was like the first thing. Okay, let's find a chef, you know, and in each thing, because that you can do, right? You can do a little bit here and there. Um, and I would have fits and starts, you know, things would get busy at work. I wouldn't do anything with it. it you know, it was, I never put myself in a timeline. I never felt any major rush outside of this is something I want to try to do before I die. Am I going to try it at you know, 40, or am I going to try it at 60, hopefully closer to 40, but I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, just taking little manageable pieces and not saying, oh my gosh, I have to get this business off the ground versus, Hey, I like making earrings. Maybe I'll just make some extras and see if a few friends want to buy them and just start there. You know? Yeah. So how long has, how long have you been in business now without a trace? Um, yes, yeah, so we launched in 2020. Interesting time with the oh, pandemic. 2020. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it, it, you know, it was interesting. We did a lot of kind of preparation at home. We didn't have childcare, um, at the beginning of the pandemic. And so there were big freight trucks rolling down my street, dropping ingredients off in my house for us to experiment on a larger scale at home, right? We'd only done a little bit in the lab with our scientists. We'd never done big full scale production runs. Um, my kids helped a little bit and helped, you know, we all know what it's like cooking with small children. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. They mean, well, it's just, (laughs) I'm sure they tasted the foods though. They tried them out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to this day, they're very good taste testers. Um, yeah, but we we got it off the ground. Uh, thanks very much to my my in-laws who took the place of any employees we were going to hire. We made a pandemic bubble with my in-laws who um, came and worked for us a lot. So bless them um, to help us kind of manage through the pandemic and you know, get us to at least, you know, halfway to where we are today. Yeah. So is this a family business now? It is. Uh, my in-laws are, uh, they, they've since retired. They worked very hard for a long time. Uh, but my parents now help. Um, and so I work with my parents now, uh, which is not anything I ever anticipated, but it's really cool. Uh, it's funny how life comes full circle. Yeah. So tell us more about the business, like what products you offer, what allergies are, I guess, eliminate allergy causing foods are eliminated. Like just tell us all the goods about your products. Sure. So we're free of the top nine food allergens, which for folks who aren't familiar are eggs, soy, wheat, sesame, fish, shellfish, dairy, peanuts, and tree nuts. We're also certified gluten-free. We're also entirely plant-based and we make everything in, I'm sitting in part of our facility right now, um, our own dedicated facility. So you don't have that manufactured in a facility with line um, on the packaging that I was trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're very focused on snacks for the whole family. Um, Nobody wants to buy three different snacks for three different people in the family. And quite frankly, when you have a food allergy, many families um, either choose to or need to keep certain items out of the house. So um, we wanted things that everybody could eat together. So we have we have crisp, which are a cross between a chip and a cracker. We have power bites, which are fruit and date based snack. We have a cookie and we have granola bars. 
Um, everything's convenient and take it on the go and really designed for all ages. Wow. That is so incredible. What are some of your staple snacks? So the power bites are really personally my favorite. Um, so they're dates and fruits and oats and chia. They're super healthy. And so when my kids are asking for a snack and, you know, they always ask for a snack about an hour before dinner. Um, this is the one thing where I don't feel bad giving it to them. Um, but then it's also really great if you as an adult want a really healthy convenient snack or a pre or post workout snack. So I always have some of those in my car. Um, they're absolutely one of my favorites and, uh, my kids get very, very excited. I can bribe my kids with them. Wow. So that's, that's like your staple snack, that one right there. That this is our, our staple, um, for sure. And then my kids eat, you know, some of the typical kids stuff too. We're, we're lucky that, um, we still have a good amount of flexibility. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of goldfish consumption in our house too. I, I will admit to that. Um, and we, you know, really like just fresh fruits and vegetables and, um, I laugh right now, you know, how kids go on different kicks. My, my daughter is currently on a green pepper kick oh. and she likes to eat. And the truth is I really liked as a kid too. So I understand, um, she likes to eat raw green peppers and for breakfast, she'd be like, can I have some green peppers? I'm like, sure. You can have it. And the other day, the kids were, were joking about what other flavors we can make for power bites. And they were throwing out, you know, different fruit. And then all of a sudden she got so wide eyed and she was so excited. And she's like, oh, I know you can make green pepper power bite. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I, I was like, I we'll have to work on that recipe a little bit. <laughs> um, do, do your kids have food allergies? It's just my daughter. My son does not. So we're, uh, we're really typical of a lot of food allergy households. My husband and my son don't have any food allergies. Um, my daughter minds are different. Um, we have no overlap in our food allergies. And so the whole family has to adjust and figure out, you know, what can we have in the house? What can we not have in the house? Um, and, you know, luckily my, my husband got up the learning curve pretty quickly. He spent some time with me in the emergency room when we were dating after I had an anaphylactic reaction. Oh, so, no. uh, he, he got a firsthand lesson Yeah, uh, and my son is really good about just always, watching out, making sure that, you know, is it something that's safe for his sister? Um, he, he's become very, very conscious. Um, so the whole family has figured out how to adapt. Oh, nice. Well, thank you so much, Brooke, for being here today. Now, where can people find out more about Without a Trace? They want to make some purchases. So our website is withoutatracefoods.com. You can also find us on social at withoutatracefoods um, or on TikTok at withoutatrace underscore snacks. Um, but, you know, we are always here if people have questions as well. We've tried to be really transparent and help people in their food allergy journeys. And so don't be afraid if you can't figure things out online, just send us a, a message and we'll get right back to you. 
Thanks for listening to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you liked what you heard today, please be so kind and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Because when you do that, you get this podcast in front of more listeners. And I want to offer more encouragement to a wider audience. So any positive reviews that you can give would be so helpful. Until next time.